All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. After three o'clock, welcome back. Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation uh, YouTube as we are coming to you live today from, of course, the uh, Ice House downtown. Stop in. It's a Thursday day and night football, of course, uh, Thanksgiving to all of our American friends or uh, maybe Americans who are now residing in Canada. It's a a pretty big day for them. uh, Lots of turkey, food, family and uh, football. Lions, they continue their trend. I probably saw the greatest tweet earlier uh, today. We'll get to that about the Lions and why they were going to lose. I wish I would have read it before I made a bet on the Lions, but uh, they lose. And uh, continue uh, their struggles on uh, uh, specific moon days. We'll tell you about it. Uh, also, uh, get down to the Ice House today. Right now, of course, Cowboys and the Commanders are going at it. The late night game has the 49ers and the Seahawks. Stop in. Come say hi. Uh, I'll be here uh, doing the show. Brandon uh, Douglas will be here uh, after tonight hosting. You got the uh, giveaway, the golden ticket, where you could be end of the draw to win a chance to go a trip for two to any NFL home opener next year. Anyone you want. Maybe the Super Bowl champ wins and you want to be there? Well, guess what? You can. So uh, stop in. All sorts of great prizes and giveaways as well tonight. Uh, they gave away a lot of good food, too. A lot of steak. Oof. And, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, come in. If, if you're if you're feeling down, order fans, and you just need an escape, because there's no hockey tonight. There's only football. If you need an escape for a day off just to breathe, come down. Hey, I'll get you a beverage of, uh, of your choice. Just come up uh, and say hi here uh, at the Ice House. We will uh, have Rick Lalashur joining us uh, in about uh, 15 minutes' time. The uh, Elks 
uh, have uh, created a five-person committee to uh, do a deep dive on the ownership structure. Are we going to see, is it going to be, you know, are they going to look for a group of people to buy them? Will it be they own a part of it and you get a, a, a private owner to own a part of it? The kind of interesting stuff, uh, something you've never really heard discussed before for the green and gold, but uh, that's where they are at right now. So we'll get to that. As always, get your texts coming in 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Be wise. Be sure to winterize because you know what's coming. Don't wait till it's too late and then you can't get in. Go now at jiffylubeservice.ca. So, Gregor, you suggest the players start ragging on each other, point blaming each other. Will. No, Will. I never once uttered those words. Holding people accountable isn't ragging on them. It's setting a standard and then saying, this is the standard that we're going to live up to. We're going to abide by it. In your household, do you have a standard of rules? Now, do you yell and scream at people when they don't do them? Or do you just say, hey, that's not acceptable in our household? It could be a simple thing like make your bed. Right? There's very simple things to do. In the NHL... If you think in pro pro sports, the, the best teams hold each other accountable. You can't expect a coach to come in and be like, you guys better play this way and everything's on the coach. It's not how it works. Okay, not for good teams anyway, because a coach can only do so much. And every successful coach will tell you that. Right? It comes down to the fact that this team's level of accountability isn't high enough. Or... Their standard of what is acceptable defensively, puck management, effort, it's not high enough. The results don't lie. They're 5-12-1, right? They're leaking goals all over the ice. And I know everybody wants to say it's just goaltending. Goaltending is a factor, no question. Do the owners need better goaltending? For sure. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But... The Edmonton Order is the only team in the league that has allowed more goals is the San Jose Sharks. That's it. No one else. It's not just goaltending. I'm sorry. It's not. The Orders are one of the worst teams in the league at allowing shots from the slot. They're 31st. You know who's worse? The San Jose Sharks. Think there's, think, now, is that all in the goalie? Hmm. The team that gives up the most shots in the slot has the highest goals against ever. The team that gives up the second most slot shots, which is the most dangerous place on the ice, they have the second worst goals against average. It's not just the goaltending. Okay? I'm sorry. But uh, it's not. Hey, guys, what's a realistic return for Nugent Hopkins nurse in a first? Joe Daddy. Joe, honestly, I, I, I can't even address that answer because it's unrealistic. Those, two of those guys have to wave, a no move in, and wave their no-trade clause. Right? Probably not happening. Because top teams don't make blockbuster deals like that during the season. So if you make a trade like that, it's most likely you're going to go to another team struggling, bottom feeder. And our nurse and Nugent Hopkins going to waive their no movement clauses to go to Columbus or San Jose or Chicago or other bottom feeders? I doubt it. So it's really not, uh, it's not feasible. Lots more text flying in, 833-401-1440. I understand the frustration, but I, I think we have to stay realistic. Okay? 
I can't give you a realistic trade option because those aren't realistic. Those trades don't happen in November. Trading out $14 million in cap space, right? Like we got a lot of people saying, hey, why are the orders so scared? They got two best players in the league. Why not just trade whatever it takes to get Carter Hart? Now, I think people are underestimating how bad Jack Campbell's contract is. Okay, Jack Campbell had an 886 save percentage last year. It's lower this year. He has three years remaining at $5 million AAV. Three. He's $13.5 million in, in money owed next to last three years. That's not even including this year. We're not even halfway through this year. Add in this year, and it's close to $16 million in actual cash that a new owner has to take on for a player who is in the American League. Right? Two first-rounders, probably, is what it's going to cost. Just to t- don't now. We're, and then the rest of the trade is, okay, now we'll do player trades. Just to get rid of Campbell is that. Okay? You have to be realistic in thinking what shipping out Jack Campbell will mean for the Edmonton owners. It's not going to be. It's going to cost a boatload. Right? A boatload. I know people are like, well, Corey Perry and Morazic for Campbell in a first. What? Why is Chicago making that trade? Why? There's zero reason Chicago's making that trade. Come on. Right? It's not happening. Hey, guys, who holds McDavid and Drysaddle accountable? They're minus three and four. They're leading the disaster. They have to set the example, but don't seem capable of it. JR and Red Deer. Well, JR, it's, it's funny. When you, when you listen to so here's an example. I believe it's the best players hold each other accountable. Right? You can go back to the orders of the 80s, but maybe people don't want to talk about that, which is fine. So let's look at recent teams who won. Look at Chicago. Jonathan Taves, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith. They held each other accountable to their play. Remember Brent Seabrook leaning to the penalty bench? Hey, JT, we need you. Calm the bleep down. Right? That's good leadership. You know, and, and, and I think, I, I don't know why people, and maybe it's because our society thinks being held accountable is some like sort of negative that me- requires you to have to yell and scream and, and insult someone. No, it isn't. Now, is it going to be, could there be disagreements? Could it be vocal in the locker room at times? Of course. But you can't play pro sports and have a thin skin and expect to win. You can't do it because the best teams hold each other accountable. The L.A. Kings, Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, Kopitar, they get in each other's grill at times because you have to. Because when you're competitive and you want to win, you have to create the standard, and then you have to let the others know that they're not living up to it. And last night, like, I'm sorry. Whether it's Matthias Ekholm, I don't know, somebody, when it's 4 nothing, Zach Hyman, you stand in that room. Connor, Leon, this is not accept, man. We need you guys to be better defensively. No one's talking about their offense. Be better defensively. Last night, when they were together on a line in nine minutes, and the coach eventually split them up, in nine minutes together, they got outscored 3 nothing. They got outshot 9 nothing. Okay, it wasn't good enough. It's not good enough. Okay, this doesn't mean... 
that they're bad players. It means they're not playing up to their capabilities and they're definitely not holding each other to a standard of success. Right? That, that's, that's how you word it. Say, do they want to win? No doubt they want to win. I have no doubt in my mind that they want to win. I don't question it for a second. They want to win. But right now, they're not doing the things necessary to win. That's their problem. They're just not. So they got to be better, guys. Like, there's no... I, and, and I'm using them right now because that's the most recent game. We could go to Evan Bouchard. We could go to Darnell Nurse. You can go to Zach Hyman. You can go to Ryan McLeod. You can go to Broberg. You can go to DeHarnay. Like, go down the list. This is an infection that is deep-rooted in the team that that needs to be better. Hey, Gregs, you can't tell someone to be better when you're not doing it yourself. I agree wholeheartedly. Right? And, and that's why it's, it's not even you, you, good leaders. You have to know how to word it. It's you don't just come in here and say, be better. Because what does be better mean? It's, it's sitting there and in film room the next day, when, it's, when they show the Netches goal, you can say, Leon, you got you got a shoulder check there, man. Now, if Leon wants to get defensive, then that shows me that he doesn't want to win. I'm not saying he's doing that. I'm just saying, hypothetically, that's what it would show me. doesn't want to win. Right? So take pride in your own individual game first. That's what has to happen. Every player, look in the mirror. Yell at the guy in the mirror. Because right now, there's no player on their team who I believe can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I've been really good defensively. I, I am doing my job all the time. Right? Because trust me, now mistakes happen. That doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means the simple, basic level of execution is going to be there. And executing defensively is just as important as executing offensively. Right? Hey, guys, the craziest thing is people talk about the orders. Defense isn't getting dangled. They aren't getting walked. They don't get beat wide. Then the forwards can score. This is just flat-out ridiculous. It's easy to play structured and slow-paced defensive hockey. Don't take chances for Mitchell. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes the other team, if like, we've seen Connor McDavid dance around guys where the, the, the other player doesn't make a bad play. He just gets beat sometimes. But look at the goals last night. I think last night's a prime example. That just didn't have to beat anybody. All he had to do was slide into the slot and have nobody cover him. It's a weak play. Look at their uh, the, the, the second goal. The puck goes around the net. It's in the corner. All they do is a very simple play. They push it back to the blue line. Then the Oilers don't have anybody in the shooting lane. They overload to that side. No one's in the shooting lane. Pensman takes a shot. It hits one body in front. And, oh, by the way, the Oilers had one guy in front of the net. One. The other four were all in the left circle. Go watch the replay. So those are not plays that... You're like, wow, got to tip our hat. They made a good play, right? Sometimes a guy will work really hard and he'll get fortuitous bounce. That's okay. None of those plays happened last night. The Oilers have a three-on-three down low. They get out, man, out, muscle, goal. Like, it's ridiculous. Other goal, they have complete control of the puck in the offensive zone. Matias Ekholm, inexplicably, I don't know why, decides a button hook. Fake a shot, button hook, lose control, boom. Connor Brown has jumped up in the play. They go by it. Now it's a two-on-one goal. Right? So it's um, it's brutal. Hey, Gregor, it feels like nothing can be done. 
Oh, no, trust me. Something can always be done, Kyle. Right? But it's hard. The, see, I think the orders took the easy way out by firing the coach, and I said that. I think I'm being consistent. Now, the coach wasn't perfect. I also said that. I felt the coach who'd been here for 120 games, you had enough runway now to start holding your top guys accountable, and he didn't do it. It's hard for the new coach in five games to do it. But by the time they get to their December 1st break, when the owners get five days off, by then it's 10 games. We saw Ryan Huska do it in Calgary, and look at how Huberto responded. Right? Patrick Liney got healthy scratch. What did he do? He responded with a goal last game. These are rookie coaches. It's not comfortable, but you can do it if that's – it's always a last resort to want to bench guys, but you can do it if you have to. So, Knobloch, he's assessing, but at some point, you, you got to come down – you're not supposed to be the player's friends as a coach. You want them to respect you, but they need to show they respect you and they respect their teammates by playing hard. So – I don't know. Uh, they're, they're, hey, guys, Holland's not going to do anything. They need a master shakeup and a retool here, and he doesn't have it in him, especially in his last year for Matt. Well, is, is Ken Holland the guy running the show? I think Jeff Jackson should have it in him. He's freshly new on the job, right? He should be fired right up. There should be no fatigue for Jeff Jackson here, none whatsoever, right? Now, maybe he doesn't have this experience to facilitate trades, but Ken Holland does. So, yeah, you got to make something work. No question about it. You got, you got to make change because there now again though one change won't solve all the problems. But I think two things can happen. You can make a change, but then still demand your core group to raise their level and raise their standard of what is acceptable defensively. Both need to happen. A trade won't fix everything, but they do need a trade. They they got to solve their goaltending problem. I'm sorry, Calvin Pickard is not an NHL goaltender. Okay, he's not. It's two games he's played. He's had two goals go right through him. Okay, so he's not. Stuart Skinner is struggling right now. That's obvious. That Jarvis goal can't go in. That should be a save all day. Now, the other goals I don't blame on. They're still losing the game. But you need better goaltending. You can tell me that trades are hard. I understand they're hard. Well, guess what? Being a GM is hard. If it was easy, everybody would do it. So don't take the job and then tell me that it's too hard. Can't do that. You just can't. Find a way to figure it out. We'll come back. Uh, Rick Lawlisher has a tough job right now. The Elks, their organization, they've had a tough run. What's going to change? We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation YouTube. Coming to you from the Ice House. Downtown 104th Ave, just across from uh, Rogers. Stop in. Of course, uh, Cowboys are uh, currently uh, leading the Commanders, as we expect. But they have the big come down for some afternoon football, some great specials, food and drink, and then the Sunday, uh, the Thursday nighter where you could win a chance. A massive prize, baby, if you're looking for a great road trip. I'll tell you all about it here at the Ice House. 327. Happy Thanksgiving to all of those who uh, celebrate it uh, today. I know uh, many Canadians uh, maybe celebrate just by watching the uh, football. Of course, uh, Washington just got on the board, so uh, no goose egg today. Is, uh, take it on the uh, Cowboys, and it's been uh, rather low scoring thus far. We'll see if the uh, the offense picks up or not. But uh, man, uh, what is picking up is the text line. 
833-401-1440. People are fired up. Uh, we are live at the Canadian Ice House. It's Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Uh, come in, stop in. Of course, uh, we're here till the end of the show, maybe a little bit longer. Brandon Douglas will be by. Of course, Thursday Night Football, which has the 49ers and the Seahawks. Your chance to win all sorts of great prizes, great specials on food and uh, beverage as well. So uh, come say hi. And, hey, you know what? I know you're probably frustrated right now. Maybe, maybe we'll... Uh, well, we'll get you a beverage just to, uh, you know, make you feel a little bit better. Why not? Uh, in the meantime, let's get to the uh, football report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Home. The no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Stay warm all winter at LegacyHeating.ca. Uh, we are joined by the interim president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks, Rick Lawless. Sure, Rick, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, Jason. How are you? Hey, uh, Rick, I'm better than the orders right now. Uh, they are struggling, uh, for sure. Um, uh, you guys made an announcement today. You have a, a new five-person committee that's going to report to the board about basically looking at the structural uh, organization of the ownership of the Edmonton Elks, which is currently a, a community-owned team. So well, I guess, or does that mean all options are on the table here? Yes, totally. All could be private owner, could be a group, it could be the community-owned shareholders that that uh, want to get involved. We're just, uh, we're not going to prejudge any decision. We're going to see what the interest is from all various different groups, and we'll go from there. So how would you find out, like, the commu- when you say the community, in what sense could the mu- community be involved? Um, probably as a group, Jason, uh, to the the. Uh, the organization of the club right now is a, it's a it's a uh, not-for-profit corporation under Part Nine of the Alberta Corporations Act, and it really means I, I, I don't even know how many. We've got about seventy-five shareholders that yeah. each have put up ten dollars to be a shareholder, and and they get to come to the annual general meeting once a year and vote for the board of directors. That's that's really how it's structured. So. Um, a community group could be a, a group of maybe some of the existing shareholders, maybe the not existing shareholders, a group of Edmontonians that uh, want to ensure football carries on for a lot of years, or it could be an individual, or I guess it could be a corporation. Our, we're wide open to looking at what the alternatives are. Um, you, you had mentioned about the facility, and um, you know you look Saskatchewan and, and Winnipeg, but you were in BC, Rick, and they didn't change their their facility at all. But they changed their ownership group, and, and he came in with a new direction, and now they're thriving. So, it, uh, is a new facility more of like, well, that would be nice to have, but is not necessarily you know one of the top things that's needed. Yeah, for sure, it's. Uh... It would be great to have a uh, stadium like Saskatchewan or, or Winnipeg or Hamilton or Ottawa. Uh, I know that's not going to happen overnight. It's just uh, Commonwealth Stadium has played a great part of this community, and it's you know it's getting pretty close to 50 years old. It's, it's had some up, upgrades, updates over the years, but um, the, it's not the same as as uh, what's needed for uh, CFL football going forward. But I know it's not going to happen overnight. And you're right. You can, you know, we announced the the uh, closure of the top deck. And uh, with that, if we just use the lower bowl, 31,000 it can hold. So that's still the fourth, third or fourth largest stadium in, in the CFL. So 
I think I believe by we have some great fans here, and by closing the top deck, it'll be a lot more um, for game day promotion, game day excitement, uh, fan experience. It's going to be a lot better for our fans. So, Rick, you you were here before, uh, you know. Then you were in BC, so you've seen other ones. When I look at this organization, like it, it's it's not just being a one or two year issue here. This has been kind of a you know an ongoing one. People have talked about, uh, you know, I've talked to people who used to be on the board, and they're like, fifteen years ago, they talked about how the you know the, the main fan base was getting older, and they still talk about it, and not much has changed. Um, so, even if there's a change in ownership, is it fair to say there needs to be a change in direction of how the organization? runs well there might be some i think i'd argue a bit with you that the, the, we have made some gains with uh, the younger crowd i think uh, you have to treat it different than and you have to market it different uh than the older crowd but but we have made some gains but clearly you can make more and i think if you look around the cfl is you know winnipeg and saskatchewan in particular and, and bc to a limited degree of have really got that younger crowd coming that uh, they look at it as a place to be and that's what we have to create here how do you create like winning obviously helps there's no doubt in my mind yeah. that win, yeah, winning no plays question. a part for sure right yeah. but there there is you know you can you don't have to like be a dominant team you just obviously you know can't lose every home game for four years obviously that doesn't help but um you know when you look at it rick to, you know to bring in the, you know the new because i think there's still a lot of people that enjoy cfl football like the, the elks weren't haven't been a very good team for a few years you still had a few games you know when it's nice and sunny out on a saturday and you've got thirty five thousand people there right like it's it still happens and so when the team's good i think it's even easier to attract them but what do you feel are things that have to happen moving forward to start getting fans more interested in coming back on a regular basis. Well, you're right about the clearly winning certainly does help, but it's also an uh, game day experience of if, uh, and, and particular for families, that's where we, I think we grew it pretty well in, in BC. Uh, it's not an expensive ticket and it's a great place for families. We're going to certainly build on the excitement outside the stadium before the game. And we're going to work at enhancing our game day experience and just make it fun. And um, because that's what it's all about at the end of the day is coming out and, and enjoying, like you say, a great Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening and a nice summer day. There's no better place to be. Rick Lollisher joins us, uh, interim president and CEO of the uh, Edmonton Elks. Uh, they start a five-person committee. Now, the five-person committee has uh, three existing members of the board already. Um, h- how is that then going to be any different than some of the ideas the board's already presented? Well, the board hasn't presented any ideas. <clears throat> so this group is, is represented, as you say, three board, three passport members, and then, then myself as uh, they, um, we wanted to bring it down to a smaller group and get some experience from the past. And Bruce Bentley, who's a well-known Edmontonian, is going to be the chair. And I can tell you, this this committee is really gung ho to get to work, uh, find out what some of the interests are and in ownership going forward, and then get to a point of making a recommendation to the board of directors as soon as possible. 
That was my next question. Is there a timeline on this? Because I know you had a quote saying, hey, you know, we're, we're comfortable with our trust fund for 2024. It's no big deal. But obviously moving past that, uh, you know, we would need some investment. So um, if, if you're going to start the process, is it safe to say that you kind of like we're almost near the end of 2023? So is this something that you're expecting a presentation from this committee to the board by like end of January or how soon? Um yeah, the sooner the better, in my opinion. <laughs> they, we're, but we're not setting any dates, Jason. We're gonna, uh, we'll see. You know, I've talked to a few individuals and groups that have previously expressed uh, interest was since I came back in in August, and uh, I've actually talked to a couple today. So there's certainly interest in going forward with uh, the Elks, and and uh, we'll just see. Where the time, I just can't say it's going to be by the end of January or the end of the year. We're going to do it as quickly as we can, find a solution, and then get on with uh, 24 football. And uh, Rick, from from your standpoint, um, are are you expecting to remove the interim tag? Are they actively looking for somebody to like? Are you just filling the seat temporarily? What's the plan as far as the uh, CEO and president go? Well, the the. Originally, I think the plan was that they were going to go on a search right away, and we determined that uh, since we're looking at this, I, I've agreed with the board to stay on on an interim basis through into 24 to get this project done. So I, I just can't give you an answer when I'll be done, but it, it clearly will be uh, a new CEO at, in place at some point. And, you know, if it's a different owner, the the owner might want their own person. Right. But it's yeah. going to be a very important position. So I've agreed to carry on. And so we're running, really running down two roads, this, um, this special committee. And then we're working hard with our whole team here of planning uh, for 24 on the field and in our fan experience. And so then it's safe to say, Rick, we won't see any major changes in management as far as uh, GM and head coach either. We're um, going to kind of run with them as well uh, simply because of uh, the potential for new ownership? Yeah, correct. Yeah, no, Chris Jones will be the head coach. And uh, the, he's uh, talking to all of his assistants right now. And uh, once we once he knows what, what he wants to do coaching-wise, we'll, we'll make the decision and, and go forward from there. Having been uh, worked for both sides, private and public ownership, Rick, is is there one that you think would be better for the long term sustainability of the organization? Um, there's pros and cons to both. I think the the key on a on a private owner is that it's somebody that certainly has the resources, but but also to have the passion. And I think you know I know Amar Doman very well now after my last two years there with him and. and He's very passionate, and you know the BC Lions at one point, Jason, were a community-owned team. Calgary was, Hamilton yes. was. So, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, Montreal didn't really have an owner. Now they're the Great Cup champions. So, um, the, the there's no magic to who the owner is. I think it's more they have to have the proper financial resources, of course, but that they're passionate, dedicated to not just the team but to the city of Edmonton and Northern Alberta. Rick, thanks for your time. Uh, we look forward to see uh, what un- what uh, this uh, new committee uncovers and is presented to the board, and then obviously uh, you'd make it public to the uh, to all of the fans because I'm sure many of them will be interested to see what the uh, future holds for the green and gold. We sure will. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jason. Is- Bye now.
You betcha. That is Rick Lawlisher, of course, the uh, interim president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. Um, if you were, if I was hedging a bet. It was interesting. Now, we've got a lot of texts from people saying, hey, wait a sec. So we can, as fans, now, $10 right now as a shareholder, that's just a, basically so they, you know, you fall under the non-for-profit and they come in and they vote on the on the board. But um, I don't know if that was ever just a random one. I think it was kind of more select people. But would you look at a, a community-owned group? Like how much money would a person want to put in for a share? Right? It, it would probably have to be significant. Like if you look at, you're probably talking, what, 15 mil? Maybe maybe more for the cost of the team, right? So, do I see an individual? I'm not sure. I've, I've talked to a few people around town, the ones who you know have the money. Because let's be honest, I think if you come in as an ownership group right now, you're going to be prepared that it's going to be one where you lose money to start. Because the Elks for years did make money. Make no mistake, this has been a market where you could make good money. That's a, being a fact. So, you know, that that's plausible. So, um I'm fascinated by it. I we need it. We need football here. I don't, I don't think they're on any verge of leaving. But I would probably if I had to give you an a guess, I would say private ownership would be better. Whether it's a group or single, and if it's a group it can't be 38 or 9 like that worked. I know it's a great story, but I think you probably would want a smaller group to be honest for this especially because the the amount uh, necessary to go in. So it uh, food for thought, man. I, I think there's there's lots of good business people in this city who would who would be intrigued by this. Uh, I'll be curious to see. Uh, and I think there's lots of younger business people. This is the thing I hope. I really hope this committee doesn't just recycle kind of the, you know, the known names because there's a lot of quiet money in Edmonton of people that might be surprised that would want to be interested. So do a deep dive, not just a surface dive for uh, for people who are interested and want to purchase this. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, uh, speed things up. It is the Jason Greger Show live at the Canadian Ice House for uh, Thursday football. No NHL today. Another uh, dark day for the NHL, which seems like it's every day for the owners lately. But uh, it's uh, NFL, of course, uh, the Cowboys and the Commanders. And then later on tonight, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Hopefully that game will be better than the first two, man. Well, I guess if you're a, if you're a Packers fan, you loved game one. But the uh, Lions fans weren't loving it. And this game so far between Dallas and uh, Washington has been somewhat of a snoozer. So far, but hey, come on down. We'll liven things up here at the Canadian Ice House. We'll return. It's a Gregor show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Continuing on, Sports fourteen forty orders nation YouTube. It is the Thursday edition of the Jason Gregor Show, American Thanksgiving version. We are coming to you from the Canadian Ice House. Of course, uh, NFL football all day long, and come down watch it. They got all sorts of screens, man. It's impossible not to have a great seat uh, in the house to watch it. All sorts of great specials on. And hey, come say hi. Well, hey, we'll give you a maybe give you a baby. Maybe you can uh, walk in and look at the ice house. It's literally right next to me. It's literally ice house. You go in there like it is freezing. Uh, but, man, your, your drink just tastes a little bit smoother uh, when you're in there. No question. Now, let's get to the uh, racing report brought to you by Can Torque. They continued developing tools, and they are excited to announce their newest design, battery-powered nut runners. Four models from 500 to 3,000 foot-pounds with more on the way. Learn more at cantorque.com. 
Com as Colin Livingston joins us uh, once again. Colin, uh, welcome back to the show. I hope you had a, a great trip. And uh, it's in the books. And, man, um, it's funny. When you, you look at some numbers and people will say, hey, the Vegas uh, race was, you know, they had uh, 315,000 fans. So they'll say, wow, that's bigger than they have in some Europe. But then you look at costs and, you know, the, the drivers seem to hate it from the start times. And then people that only had Thursday tickets. So uh, I was always told by the people who, uh, who are F1 uh, diehards, never go to the first time it's in a market because there's always all sorts of errors. We saw it on the track. We saw it in the crowd. Uh, I guess my first one for you, Colin, is the decision in how F1 punished Carlos Sainz when he hit that exposed man cover and it destroyed his vehicle. Yeah, I mean, that was... First of all, I mean, just terrible. Absolutely, like, terrible. Um, I want to go to the point to say an inexcusable, but, I mean, this stuff happens, um, especially, you know, that was the first time cars got on that, you know, that track. And it's a it's a street circuit, so, um, you know, they didn't have any opportunity to, to, you know, do any kind of testing to, you know, aside from visual inspection. So, you know, it can't be too harsh, but at the same time, F1 owns this race. They are the promoter. They were the ones that coordinated everything. They um, do all the safety. They do all the inspections. So there's nobody else to blame. They were the ones that that um, that that set everything up. And and within the first, I think it was seven minutes. Some reports say nine minutes. When science went out, he just happened to be the unlucky guy. It's a it's a water. Um, like a water line access. It was only like the size of, um, you know, maybe like eight inches across, six inches across, but it was enough that when, with the downforce that these cars have, when he hit the thing, it destroyed his car. It like, it, it took out the, what's called the monocoque, which is the, the part of the chassis where the driver sits, took out the engine, took out the battery, took out a whole bunch, like, I mean, multi-million dollar damage. And because they're at the end of the season, they didn't have any more allotment in the Ferrari, um, you know, as far as power units go, as far as, you know, everything goes. So Carlos Sainz got a 10, 10 grid spot penalty for something that had absolutely nothing to do with him. Now, it, it after the race, you know, Ferrari's hinted that they're going to seek compensation for that because, you know, realistically, they didn't do anything yeah. wrong. Um, but yeah, just it was an absolute, um, I just about said a bad word. It was a uh, a very very poor start to that weekend for sure. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't great. The race itself it had a lot of passing. So outside of that, how would you evaluate the actual track and the actual racing itself? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I didn't care for it. I thought it was really, really, really mediocre. Um, yes, there were lots of passes, but the passes were a result of the fact that there wasn't a lot of grip. There wasn't a lot of grip because the, the cars didn't get to go on track. Um, it was, you know, it was a super smooth surface with the exception of the one kink that took out Lando Norris. Um, but with the cold temperatures, the smooth surface, they just weren't able to get rubber down. So the cars weren't really grippy. They weren't really agile. They didn't show what they had. The cars were really slipping around and and they never really got them to, to bite into the track. Um, it was great to be able to see someone make a pass on Max Verstappen on track. That hasn't happened a lot this year. Um but yeah, I mean, as far as the actual, like, I mean, they keep talking about this as it's as an event, like, okay, fine. But the thing that you're trying to, to build the event around is the race. And, and at some point we need to focus on what happens on track instead of talking about how many bloody concerts there were on, on the, you know, on the outskirts and how many attractions they were, especially when fans weren't allowed to, to stay in the property on, on Thursday for the second practice session. Everybody was escorted off the property because apparently they didn't contract the security people long enough past 2 a.m. when they ran until like 4 a.m. Like just madness. Which, which, which would make sense considering you wouldn't think you'd be there that late. Now, I know that there was uh, talk that the, play, the, uh, the racers feel like, you know what, you're starting the race that late at night, and you know now they're, they're going to the, to the final race this week. And the 24 schedule is already made, Colin, and uh, it, in Vegas starts off a week of three in a row. And I, I've seen comments already from the racers saying, man, like it's, just, it's physically demanding starting so late. Everything's kind of delayed. Any chance you think they change the start time? in vegas next year the start time is is kind of inconsequential um during the weekend it's it's going to make a difference but you know running the you got to keep in mind right now they're in the middle of five races in six weeks like it is it's it's actually like crazy what they're trying to squeeze into the schedule this year if they try and finish with three races in a row next year i mean that's just another set of challenges um but you know it's it's very 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 clear that that formula 1 um in their you know infinite wisdom does not give a toss about their fans they really don't have any kind of compassion at all for the these teams like um a, a, i can't remember who the team principal was i think it was actually um zach brown last week was talking about the fact that 
you know, you've got to really consider that most of their crew, most of their team travels coach. Like, yeah, the drivers have private access or at the very worst, they're they're getting booked on first class um, on flights. So they're they're very comfortable no matter where they're at. The team principals travel well, the managers travel well, but the, the bulk of these people are squeezed into, um, you know, tight coach seats with, you know, um, without a lot of amenity and, and bouncing around like the, the time change from here to, um, to Abu Dhabi, I think is 11 hours right now. And from Vegas, it's 12 to do that in a week after being, you know, three hours ahead in Brazil before being two hours behind in, in, uh, Mexico and then Austin. Like it's, it, it's asking way, way, way too much. And, and they're talking about adding races to the calendar as well. So, um, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, everyone seems to get their dander up that, um, that, that Andretti is going to be the, the detriment of the series that, you know, he's going to dilute what, what's happening and, and, you know, all the rest of it. But meanwhile, there's all this other stuff that's going on in plain sight that, um, you know, I, I, I really think that, um, you know, they, they need to take a, deep, a bit of a deep breath and, and really reanalyze this, this schedule. Um, Max Verstappen is calling Livingston joins us. Max Verstappen did receive a five second penalty, um, uh, basically <laughs> for his maneuver that he's used many times, right? He, he kind of, he goes wide and forces the guy who's wide to go out, uh, uh, you know, a five second penalty for him. Obviously, it, it means nothing. D- do you think there, has there been any talk about, um, you know, them changing the way they police and enforce penalties, do you think? Or is this just smart racing by Verstappen and there's not much to do about it? Well, drivers will always do what they can do until they're told that they can't. So Max has used this move countless times. Like this was on the start, uh, drove up the inside and just simply didn't turn. I mean, he just about took out Hamilton. Um, I think it was last year in Brazil. Maybe it was two years ago, two years ago in Brazil when they were fighting for the, for the title. Um, he does this all the time. And, and the, the issue is that. You know, uh, Leclerc very wisely, you know, he drove wide off the track to where there was absolutely no grip, which really um, compromised his start. But he kept his car in one piece, which is what Verstappen is always counting on, that the other driver will back out. Well, twice, you know, uh, in, in that championship year, uh, Verstappen's first championship year of 2021, Hamilton was the, the one that was getting run off track. And, and for the most part, he conceded. He got pushed yep. over curbs. He got, uh, you know, bounced around a lot. And then eventually Hamilton just stuck it. He didn't back out of it where Verstappen counted on it. Verstappen had a crazy crash at Silverstone when he was expecting Hamilton to back out of it. And then they ended up on top of each other. He actually ended yep. up on, on Hamilton's roof at at monza because again hamilton didn't back out of it and then they come around and and they're critical of the other driver it's like you can't you can't be this aggressive all the time and always come out on top um but you know i think these are like verstappen is way better than this now and their car is so much better than this that if he gave up that spot you know like he gets a five second penalty his actual comment on the radio was like, yeah, no problem. Give my uh, compliments to the stewards. Like, thanks a lot. Tell him I say hello. I'm going to be driving past this guy in two minutes anyway. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter because it's not a penalty. It's 
at the very most, it's a minor inconvenience. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the the passing was okay. The but uh, I just I don't know. I, I'm not a fan. There's too many street circuits already. Um, you know, for the 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 total wolves and and all the rest of the the management that said, you know, this is this is nothing and this is you know um, you know no big deal. Like nobody's thinking about it from the fans' perspective who spent you know whatever available you know liquid cash they had bought their plane ticket maybe could only afford the first day maybe only had a thursday ticket this is their only opportunity to see racing they got seven minutes where the cars aren't even up to speed and then they were told to go away and f1 comes back and says well we'll give you a 200 hundred dollar voucher which is about enough to buy a keychain and a ball cap like because their <laughs> merchandise is ridiculously expensive so yeah like nobody really seems to care how how you know, inconvenient how like how much fans are giving up to to get to these things, and it's like, well, you know what, suck it up because this is the way racing goes. So you know, like F one didn't really learn their lesson after uh, Spa a couple of years ago, where the race only went two laps. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're trying to build this fan base and they're trying to to expand, but they again they show time and time again that they just don't they don't care about the people. Colin Livingston joins us, Cantorca Racing Report. Um, uh, one lot, NASCAR Canada released their schedule, and uh, there was some uh, rumors that uh, they wouldn't be coming out west, but uh, that's not the case. So uh, uh, for uh, for NASCAR, uh, for Pinty's fans uh, out in Western Canada, got to be excited that there will be uh, racing again out here. Yeah, I I was told like explicitly that the Western swing was not going to happen. I mean, we didn't really talk about it, um, you know, maybe in private, but um, as of, as of this week, now that the schedule's out, um, yeah, we get, um, we get the, the Eastern swing is still there with uh, Riverside Joan uh, comes back onto the calendar, which is the best oval in, in Canada that, that um, that's left in, in Antigonish, Nova Scotia, just an awesome, awesome track um, that gets, uh, bookended with the, the race in St. John's. And then, uh, in July, uh, the 20th and the 27th, um, we're now getting a week of, uh, NASCAR out here. So, um, you know, stop in Saskatoon on the 20th. Uh, then there's a week, uh, before the Wetaskiwin race on the 27th. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to, to be able to come back out here and, uh, and get that again. Awesome stuff, Colin. We'll have yourself a, a great week. We'll talk about the uh, the final race coming up on, well, it's this weekend, but we'll talk about it next week. Have a good one. Yeah, sounds good. That's uh, Colin Livingston in the Racing Report, brought to you by Cantork. Uh, it is the Jason Greger Show, Thursday edition, live at the Canadian Ice House. Uh, on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube. Uh, when we return, uh, we got spec coming up. We got lots and lots of text to get to. 833-401-1440 is our text line. Let's get to the comment Sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire and the Road Ready Sales event, which is on right now. You can save up to $225 on select tires and get an additional $50 off when you book any sort of service right now at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions apply. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.